Going once, going twice, sold. You're listening to The Property Pod, an accessible and easy way to get into or help understand the goings-on of the property market. Join Aaron, John and Pat as they discuss all things real estate, most likely get sidetracked and then try and rein it all back in as they present The Property Pod. Alrighty, here we are with the first episode of The Property Pod. Thank you for downloading or streaming this wherever you are. My name's Aaron and I'll be hosting the show. I'm joined by two very special friends of mine. Uh, I'll throw over to John. Good morning, gentlemen. The intro couldn't be more precise in relation to getting sidetracked and hoping to rein it all back in. I thought that was yeah. essential with us. <laughs> yeah. I thought we should let people know right off the bat exactly who we are happen. and this is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Made writing the intro pretty easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the other agent with us here is Patrick Berry. Tell us about yourself, Patrick. Uh, sure. I've uh, been doing real estate since 2006. Obviously, work for my own family business. Business for one for real estate, so pretty excited to sort of give back to the community with a bit of extra info. But for me, it's yeah, it's been a fun roller coaster ride doing real estate. It's definitely an interesting job, but I do love it. So right off the bat, I guess uh, it's it's important to know why why are we doing this podcast? What's what's the purpose and what we, what's the target audience? Who are we aiming to hit with with this? My um, I'm, my position is very much the same as Pat. Is it's a family business? Been in the real estate game. It, pretty much as long as each other. But one of the things I've noticed is how very little people understand. I'll often write up an offer and it's like, have someone walked you through this contract previously and said, never even looked at the words. And it's actually quite scary in some respects in terms of the professionalism that gets applied when educating potential purchasers or in sellers as well. But with this podcast, the way I saw it is that we catch up every, nearly every week, every fortnight and talk about these same topics. And um, I think it would be really fun just to actually put that into a podcast so that um, I can just download, I suppose, the information that we're getting, but also to just think openly to the rest of the market. Probably more so as a fun project for me, if anything. I tried to figure it out. I think it was about 2016, late, early 2017, you and me started catching up with coffee every Thursday. So That's it. Yeah, it's been a few years now and obviously we talk a lot of smack when we catch up and we <laughs> talk about our frustrations with real estate. But yeah. I thought, same as John, great opportunity just to start recording it give the info out to the people and if we get listeners fantastic if not do having the same fun we have every week yeah, we're still yeah, we're still having the coffee in the morning every week <laughs> so for context i guess it's important to to state that all three of us have been friends for many years for mm. countless years I, I guess you guys you guys go to primary school kindergarten kindergarten yeah. you've gone since way 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 back back when we both got the plaque to signify that we'd been to the same school for the entire length so yeah you guys have gone through school the entire way now you've gone into real estate in separate businesses. We'll just clear that up. You guys work mm. for different companies, so this isn't affiliated with a certain company. This is just a open forum for anyone to discuss anything. Mm. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Um, John and I, we're open books, so we never hide anything of what we're doing. Yep. If anyone comes up to me on the street and says, what are you up to, where are you at? I'm happy to share info straight away and I mm. believe John's the same. I think it's important that the more info that gets shared, the better the industry expands as a whole. Yeah, for where sure. Where before everyone used to keep their little secrets to themselves, created that mindset that everyone's out to get everyone in real estate. But I don't think that's the case anymore. I think everyone wants to help each other and that's definitely what our motto is with me and John. Yeah, and I think that openness and honesty is a good you know, good point because someone might say, how's the market? Like, oh, best week ever. I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I'm thinking if someone asks me, that's not true. Yep. You know, you have ups and down days every day of the week. You have great weeks, hard weeks. And also too, I mean, at least then if you're just um, completely open in the process and honest with yourself and to the consumer, like that's not a bad thing for our industry anyway. Because I think as agents, we actually have a hard time clawing back 
integrity for people. What, what do you mean by that? Well, you're sort of coming from um, two steps backwards. So if you say you're a real estate agent, it's like, oh, no, go. Oh, okay. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think we've had this <coughs> conversation before, John, about kind of you wrestling with the idea of what it meant to be a real estate agent and just realising that eventually it was, if I just be myself, I'll succeed in this? Yeah, 100%. I think when I first started, I was obviously looking for role models and then trying to step in their shoes and do it the way they do. But in every step of the way, I was learning lessons, but in, you know, I was also uncomfortable in that space as well. I think people can sense that. Yeah, especially yep, sure. Especially people in Hobart. You know, if you're not real, you, you just get thrown out the door very quickly. The more I just settled into who I am, yeah, the more success came my way because I just found people that wanted to work with me. Yeah, for sure. It's not about trying to being a person that appeases everyone. Says, look, if I can do what you're looking for, great. It's not a bad way of putting it. But I think then that's why coming into this podcast as well, I sort of see it now that this is just a really mean, you know, Pat and I have been around for long enough now that it's just you're getting to just hear who we are. Yeah, for sure. Nothing and nothing more. It's that transparency aspect mm. and um, showing that we're genuine people. We haven't got a hidden agenda. We're not here to shift people's opinion on us. We're here to give our thoughts, our opinion on the marketplace. If you like it, great. If you don't. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's probably wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, well, we get it out there and, and let it be known. I guess it's not like – has anyone seen that new um, – Chris Lilly show with the the lunatics on Netflix. <laughs> oh, not yet. I saw you haven't seen it. No, yeah, no. no. So I I didn't didn't love the show. He, he's had his hits and misses, but mm. the uh, real estate agent on the on the show, the character he did with that one was was kind of what you're describing. The, oh, really? the stereotype <laughs> of drives the expensive car, wears the expensive suits, all about his hair and his style oh, and his great. looks. <laughs> and he wants to be a DJ, so maybe he'll have a podcast <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, but, luckily enough, I can't spin decks to save myself, so that's a good thing. But you're a mean drummer. I remember back in the day at school, you uh, were quite good at drums. Oh, yeah. yeah you no. still play? Oh, no. I was, I've been um, setting aside a little target for myself that I'll go get a um, an electric drum kit, so then um, I can actually start start up at home again. But the only problem is probably shocking at home, because it's great for me because I'll have headphones on, I'll be in some 1980s stadium, you know, playing Just with poison. Oh, everyone else will heal. But uh, that's just me living the dream. I know, you, <laughs> you live it and you love it. Just for a little bit of extra context, I guess I didn't introduce myself properly. So, um, yeah, I've gone to school. I'm Aaron. I've gone to school with these two guys. So I joined later in life. I think high school we all crossed paths. We've kind of hit it off. We have always been interested in – well, I've always been interested in media production, but these guys have always uh, assisted with me. So I work at 414 Media House. Uh, this is kind of the birth child of just wanting to learn more and do more. So – we do video, we do 3D scanning, we do countless other – we do drone photography and, and – uh, And now we produce podcasts. And now we produce podcasts. Mm. So, yeah, just building the skill set. And <laughs> asked us a month and a half ago what we knew about podcasts. I think the answer was zero. <laughs> <laughs> but Google's an amazing thing. You can research the absolute hell out of something and get quite knowledgeable quite quickly. Yeah, so we're uh, – we're working at it. This is kind of a um, floating format. Anything can happen. We're kind of just experimenting and seeing what happens, but we appreciate anyone out there listening. Well, it's probably going to change each week with that in mind because we're still trying to figure out exactly what we want the show to be. Yeah, so exactly. Things might get added. Things might get removed. Uh, we're hoping to get a couple of special guests in to talk about things. So it'll be a revolving door, I guess, as to what this actually ends up being over time. But we'd love feedback. So... By all means, let us know what you think and we can adapt to make it suit. Mm. Yes, there'll be some growing pains throughout this. But yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll have some fun with it and see what happens and, and put it out there. 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I can say, like, I've got the first podcast jitters, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm. no, you kind of we, – we did some practice runs the other week and the more we did it, the better we felt about it. But I think today I've got the nerves. I'm like, I really want to do well today. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I want to spray my mic gold. <laughs> <laughs> so this is mine over here, John, so don't come near it. <laughs> don't mess with the golden mic. <laughs> well, we might move on to another section. Uh, bear with us for one moment and we will be right back. 414 Real Estate has been operating within the northern suburbs of Hobart since 2006 with their innovative approach to marketing and managing your property. They have all your property needs covered. Find out more by visiting them today at 414.com.au. As a family-run business, First National Real Estate McGregor understands that the property market can be stressful. However, with a strong team in both sales and rentals, we are here to guide you through the property maze. Find out more today at mcgregorfn.com. Alrighty, let's take a deep dive into this week's topic. Uh, with the federal election coming up on the weekend, we thought it would only be appropriate to bring up what that means for housing, for first-home buyers and for all the election promises that have come out in the last week or two, which have been quite a lot. So I might throw it over to Patrick. He knows more about this than I do. So Pat, tell us about what each political party has, has offered well, the main things that's come out in the last week or so is actually the first home buyers 5% deposit scheme. And although it was announced by Liberals, it's really good that Labor has actually seen this as a positive thing as well and honoured to back it as well. So regardless who gets in on the weekend, this is definitely going through. Mm. And it might not mean a huge amount for um, a lot of our listeners, but for the first time buyers out there, it is a fantastic stepping stone to help them get in the market because it's actually going to allow people to be able to get in with only 5% deposit versus a 20% deposit, mm. which I think is really good. <coughs> oh, and that, that I suppose that um, enabling that to, to avoid mortgage lenders insurance as well, isn't it's it? It's 80%. So that's the main mm. thing. So instead of you needing to take out mortgage insurance, which um, I think is roughly anywhere between five to 10000 depending on the loan, mm. the government's basically taking up that other 15% so you don't have to worry about the mortgage insurance side of things. Yeah, that's really interesting because – uh, if you know, if you haven't got a loan before, mortgage lenders insurance isn't so much about protecting the buyer. It's actually about protecting the the lender's interest. So it ends up just becoming that extra cost for um, those that haven't had the capacity or time even to be able to save for a larger deposit. So that idea that they could um, enter that market on an you know almost an even com- competing field will make a huge difference, especially now. Our area. Well, and banks have become a lot harder with lending at the moment after the Royal Commission. So this is a nice stepping stone to help purchasers get into the marketplace, especially mm. those first-time buyers, which struggle as it is. Because mm. you can imagine on the mainland, the average house is sort of 500000 20% of that, it's $100,000 you've got to have before you can actually oh, that's buy a property. So That's full on. Yeah, it's hard to get into the marketplace and this is definitely going to help. And I think what I like about it versus previous government schemes, like the first-time buyers where they got $7,000 just paid to them for buying a home, mm. um, this is really good because because the government isn't actually having to hand out or fork out money straight away. They're just going guarantor basically for 15% of the property. So not every, very rarely do people default, but the government is only going to have to pay out on the ones that do default on their loans. Mm. So the majority of people that do the right thing and just want to get into the housing market, it's a win-win for everybody because it's not going to cost the government anything, but at the same time, it's going to help first-time buyers get into the marketplace as well. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So as a as a first-time buyer, say, what were you having to save for a deposit previously? To in comparison to what would you have to save? So 20% yeah, 
different banks will lend different amounts and some are more generous than others, but the general rule of thumb was that you'd need to save about 20% to purchase a property. Now, there are banks out there would lend based on 10% savings, but you had to do this mortgage insurance This scheme, lender's mortgage. Which cost a lot of money and another fee and another cost that a lot of first-time buyers didn't have and would make them extra time for them to actually save to be able to do it. So yep. what the government's hoping with this is that it'll actually potentially shave one or two years of someone's saving pattern for them to be able to get into the marketplace, which is great for everyone. Mm. Oh, of course. So, yeah, so you're not spending as much time saving for your deposit because you're not having to get as large a deposit. Yeah. So and then you're not needing to get the mortgage insurance bill on top of that as well. So there's extra savings there. So it's a, a multiple savings sort of different areas and it just helps first-time buyers get into the market quicker. I think one of the um, thoughts – you know, I haven't thought through this one through too much, but immediately the other uh, counterpoint to that might be is that at the moment the banks, um, the purpose of the mortgage lenders insurance is obviously the banks are taking the risk on that individual's loan. What you could argue is that it might not be a smart idea that now the, the government's actually be going to um, taking on that risk. So you know, it could play out the scenario where you've got you've got an individual, a first home buyer, who under normal circumstances wouldn't be able to get it because they would be perceived as too high risk, not enough money, not a high enough wage, for example. Sure. But the government's basically stepping in, saying, "Don't worry about it. We'll." Start subsidise it for you instead to absorb that risk, which, you know, the government's effectively the other taxpayers to, to benefit you. So whether or not that could actually create a distortion in the first home buyers market, I don't know. Um, because time will tell. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that because obviously the banks are going to be looking for profit, fair enough, um, but the government's going to be looking at it from a very different perspective. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see how that plays out in real time because now, yeah, like I said, the government's going to be taking on the risk, not the bank. Yeah, so regardless what happens on Saturday, this mm. won't come into play until the 1st of January next year. So mm. I guess they've got a little bit of time to figure out exactly how it's going to work. It will be interesting what that does for the next six months for first-time buyers. Are they going to mm. hold out from purchasing the property or to take advantage of this scheme or are they not going to think it's valuable so they'll just keep doing what they're doing now? Well, yep. I, I remember what happened in 2010 after they had, the, especially in Tassie, it affected where we had, went from a $7,000 bonus to the $14,000 for yep. about, was it 10, about 12 months? 12, 18 months, I suppose? Uh, I can't quite remember. Um, but I, but went, And then the second that scheme finished, the the volume of transactions it just you know plummeted quite dramatically, especially at the bottom end where most of the first home buyers are in our market. And I think in large part what happened was you had all these people that were rushing in to buy, um, like probably six, 12 months ahead of their natural cycle or, or normal schedule because yeah, they sure. had that bonus. And then all of a sudden that that six months prior, 12 months prior, all those buyers were already gone because they'd bought 12 months earlier, if that makes sense. So it sort of inflated the market somewhat yep. at the wrong period of time. So I, with this scheme, I, there might be a little bit different though because they're not giving you money up front. It's just being able to guarantee. Guarantee, yeah. So it might not actually change the person's buying cycle. Well, that's what I like about it. Mm. Um, that giveaway of money aspect, you get that perception in the marketplace that all that does is get greedy vendors where they just put their property up by mm. 14000 or 7000 Absolutely. To cover it, where this, there's no physical money changing hands. So theoretically, hopefully it does help. Hopefully yeah. it brings more first-time buyers. Mm. Uh, apparently First-time buyers only make up 17% of the total total housing loans out there at the moment. So yeah, right. it's definitely a struggling area for a lot of people. So anything that helps get them up, I think, will be great. Yeah, and I'd imagine for, I mean, friends um, that, you know, in Victoria and the city markets where, you know, their median, you know, close to the city is still extraordinary, like close to a million dollars. I've you know, no idea how, um, well, I've obviously got no idea, but it, geez, it'd be hard for um, an individual, especially or young couples to save that initial element to get into that market. Oh, um, it's crazy to yeah. even think in in the market down here like I recently became a first home buyer and mm. I'd been saving for I guess two and a half years I think I'd kept kept squirreling away everything I could and and to get enough for a deposit and then looking into what I wanted to buy it became really difficult and 
luckily me and my partner were kind of both in the same place and decided, oh, this is something we're both interested in. So being able to put that together, we were able to get a deposit together and put it into action. But mm. if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do that if I hadn't had my partner to... Mm. Um, and it's even harder now with Hobart Marketplace and the rents being incredibly high and so much demand on that. A lot of people's wages are going just to weekly rent, so to be able to save money full stop in Hobart is a very challenging thing at the moment. Yeah, well, that was mm. the other thing. Like Absolutely. I was doing that living on your mum's couch or living with your mum and paying very little rent or paying rent by mm. cooking and doing all the silly little things to squirrel away enough to become a homeowner. Mm. So I guess this sounds like it's a way of helping get into the market quicker, not have to save as much and yeah. hopefully not cause financial strain by renting and saving at the same time. Definitely. Mm. We've, got, we've got an alarm going off in the background. <laughs> it is. Because this podcast is fire. It's the fire alarm, but we will continue on for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that is, but This, this anyway. is fine. <laughs> but the other one, that yeah, little notes we had there too, was the um, the announcement to increase um, or to extend the the two the two parts, which for the first home builders to for the you know, twenty thousand dollars on new homes, but also to the the fifteen percent discount on stamp duty for established homes as well. And I remember that one that benefited me a lot of years ago when I bought my first home. The, I mean, any any element that allows a first home buyer to just because you know stamp duty is just a tax of like three and a half four percent on was, the purchase. I was just about to say, even though I just said I bought a house, I couldn't tell you what stamp duty is. So yeah. could you <laughs> we mentioned earlier that this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna help people out who don't understand the things that are confusing. Mm. What is stamp duty? Uh, I'll do my best. I might fumble through, but the way I look at it, it's simply um, a tax on purchase. So the in terms of the cost of where you're going to, going to be shifting from one one title owner to another, basically that's the, the cost of stamp duty. Um, is that what do you think, Pat? It's pretty simple. seems pretty straightforward to what I believe it is. So yeah. it's basically just a tax that's involved in in purchasing a new property. It's mm. just one of those things that forms part of buying a home. Yeah. With that, it's actually really good timing to bring in the next get bit, I guess. Yes, uh, I think John was just mentioning something along the lines of the fifty percent. Oh, I apologise. Mm. I had to go fix the fire alarm. So <laughs> I was careful to go for you, mate. <laughs> Ripper. I just wanted to be like backdraft. Get out there. <laughs> He's already ripped his shirt off. Yeah. It's quite impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, what, cool. So we've covered that. Yeah. Awesome. But we will, we will put some um, li- links in the show notes to have a bit more detailed explanation, but so- sometimes the simplest is the best. It's good to see that that is there for first-time buyers buying established homes because it is a struggle and mm. being able to get those fees down, definitely that's extra money that can go to your deposit. So if you had to pay $10,000 for stamp duty and now all of a sudden you get 50% off, yep. that's another 5000 you can put towards your deposit and that's a huge amount of money when, especially in our marketplace where mm. the average house might be, you know, 330 350 for a first-home buyer, that's a huge amount of extra money towards putting down on a mortgage. So is there something with this stamp duty business that if it's a already established home, it's worth a certain amount and if it's if you're freshly building, it's worth more? Or? Uh, it's, so that's two different schemes, Aaron, but you're very close there. So well done. You've been listening. Thank you very much. I like I'm, it. I'm a good listener. So oh, the man. other thing that was announced this week through the Tasmanian government was the first home owners grant or first home builders boost. And that's a slightly different scheme. So if you buy an established home, you get the discount on stamp duty, which is fantastic. If, if you're buying a brand new property and that can be a home that's never been lived in. So it can be a spec home where a builder's built, bought the land, built the property. 
or it can be where you buy a block of land and then you engage a builder to build the property on your behalf, you're actually entitled to what they call a first home builder's boost, which is actually $20,000. So there's a lot of incentives out there in the moment for brand new builds. Hobart is in a housing shortage at the moment. So government's doing everything they can to be able to get as many people to move into new homes as possible. So And it keeps the building industry ticking over as well, which is great. So yeah, you get that extra $20,000 for a new home build. And that was just announced this week as well that the Tasmanian government is going to continue that on for another 12 months till June 2019, no, 2020, which is great. So that's just another bonus that's out there for first-time buyers to help them get into the marketplace. So you will have to go to a little bit further out, you know, your Brighton, your Sorrells, Kingston, Margate, those sort of areas. But if you're prepared to to travel a little bit more, you can get a brand new home, get $20,000. That's a huge amount of equity straight into a property and use it as a stepping stone. Maybe you live in one of these homes for three or four years, pay it down a bit and sell up and move to a suburb that you're more desirable to live in or something that you want to be closer to town, for instance. So mm. I do a lot of these type of deals with first-time buyers in my marketplace and a lot of them do that exactly that. Their whole goal is to get to own, you know, 30% of their home within sort of five or six years. So they can then use that either to remortgage to buy another property or they can then sell that off and use that um, extra capital to put down on a more expensive home closer to town in sort of, you know, your Moonas, Glenorchies, those sort of areas or new towns, Lead Valley. So it is a, a good option there as well. And it's just another way that the government is trying to do everything they can to help first home buyers get into that marketplace. Yeah, that that the, the problem is that the word housing crisis gets thrown out a lot. And yeah. it's really only started to be prevalent in the Hobart market probably within three to five years max because we'd actually seen a, an actual population increase for the first time in pretty much Tassie's history. Mm. All of a sudden, we've got enormous pressure on the lack of available uh, property. And it's like you said before with rents. God, how much have they risen? 30, 50% over the last... Um... It's gone up a lot. Mm. Um, it has gone up dramatically. Uh, I think that I read somewhere that we're about 3,500 homes short in Hobart alone for the demand that's here. So yeah, that's, that's what's pushed rents up. But it is a bit of a perfect storm down here as well. Like you've mm. got the Utah expanding and getting a lot more international students coming in. You've got tourism booming down here, which has encouraged a lot of people that maybe travel to the mainland for work to come back mm, um, because mm. they like the lifestyle here. Uh, you've also got uh, a lot of people that are no longer needing to leave. So instead of like, you know, oh, I know, for instance, you left as when you left school and oh, yeah. my mate Sam left. A lot of my friends from school traveled to the mainland for work because it wasn't here in Hobart and now it is. So a lot of those people are starting to come back and it that's just putting all that extra pressure on the market and making this area just really demanded area, I guess. Yeah, I think that's um, that's. I tell this story when it goes to um, I have just so the perceptions change in Tassie. When I first got into real estate, going to different conferences and learning, etc., I'd say, "Oh, you're from Tassie." It's like, "Oh, from Tassie? Oh, two heads," you know. Yeah. So it, <laughs> so basically, you just be the butt of old jokes. Yeah, you're the you're the backwards. You're yeah. Yep. So, but now I go to the same conference. I speak to essentially the same people, dressed the same, doing the same thing, and I go, "They're from Tassie." Ah. Oh, Tassie, oh, I've always wanted to go there. And I'm thinking, no, you didn't. <laughs> now you do. Isn't that uncanny? <laughs> You're not shy either, so you'd relay that straight to them. Oh, yeah, you exactly. <laughs> You're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. We had this conversation 10 years ago. <laughs> I've got it in my notes. Even before I could grow a beard. Okay, so go away. Could, could um, this have anything to do with your brother's TV show? Uh, oh, yeah, Rosehaven. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, I do like it when he comes down to Tassie because um, he's a walking celebrity. Um, so I, I get to be the famous brother. And I've had it a couple of times at open homes where they forget who I am, but, oh, you're Luke's brother. So, yep, 
that'll do. <laughs> so at least when I do a follow-up call, I can go, hey, it's Luke's brother. Oh, Rose Haven. <laughs> Tell us a joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that never works out well. <laughs> My jokes are all bad. <laughs> it seems quite interesting that, um, again, so John's brother is Luke McGregor, stand-up comedian. He had the hit show Lukewarm Sex, which is currently available on Netflix. He's also into his third season, or maybe the third season's just finished. gone, yeah. Yep. Yeah, third season's just finished of Rose Haven, which is a TV show about a guy who returns from the mainland to help run his family real estate agency in a small town called Rosehaven. Mm. Now, is this a bit of art representing life, John? Well, there was um, I'm sort of I'm wary of our time, but one of the things that I liked in the first season is the line, and on the on the at the end of the series, they go. Um, are you going to stay? And he said, I couldn't hack it. And I think that was a big one for uh, Tasmanians, even in our friendship circle. Like you'd go to Melbourne or Sydney yep. and you'd come back and the first thing you'd, you'd get is like, oh, you couldn't hack it, mate. It's like, but even that's gone now as well. Oh, it's definitely, yeah, no, it's amazing. Like I, I've been and gone, I've lived overseas, I've lived in Western Australia, in Victoria, but coming home is amazing and, and Tassie seems to be thriving at the moment. It's all like Dark Mofo coming up. I've been speaking to so many people about how exciting that will be. Mm. Um, I'm buying down here has been amazing. I'm There's a lot to like. Oh, yeah. Sure. No, we're, yeah. we're yeah. a lucky bunch. Well, I think that – but uh, in art imitating life, yeah, it's uh, it's all true. Um, I'm completely incompetent in what I do. Uh, not really. They, what, how, how that <laughs> – <laughs> Listen to our podcast. Yeah. We're incompetent. <laughs> how that came about was um, uh, Luke and Celia are best mates in real life. Yep. And Celia comes from a small town and Luke comes from a real estate agency. So they'd pitched a lot of different ideas to the ABC. Um, and, you know, none of, them, none of them sort of went anywhere. So they had one idea left that they pitched to the producer. I can't quite remember. And apparently the, um, that the lady had said, look, this is the first time she's ever pitched a show and she could see it clearly 100%. Yeah, um, and so that, 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 there's another idea that I thought would have been funny, and I think this is true: is that if you had a one-service town, like you only had one butcher, one locksmith, one real estate agent, one doctor, like you did not have any option but to use their services. So there's a lot of humour that can be drawn out of that, no matter oh, how bad or you know they are or the relationships you generate, you still have to use those people. And so from that, I think you know that, that was the the genesis of the idea that came with Rosehaven. Then bringing it back to Tassie, well, that was you know one of the probably the the great picturesque locations that they could use. And, you know, I think with the proof was in the pudding because some of the set locations they've done has been absolutely phenomenal. But I think if they ever do a new season, they're not going to be filming it in winter again because apparently it's just too cold, miserable on the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So is it Luke's fault that we have a housing crisis here now? Because everyone's seen it and now they just want to come back. 100%. (laughs) You heard it here first, Luke McGregor. You brought on the housing crisis. (laughs) All right, guys, I think for episode one, we've uh, beaten out those jitters. We've worked our way to about 30 minutes and we should probably uh, sign off the property pod. I had a really good time talking to you guys and, yeah, I hope we can do lots more of these. Mm. Um, thanks for introducing yourselves and discussing the the federal election that's coming up. The, we're going to try and do these weekly. Uh, we're going to work our way up and, and just kind of – Chat. Well, see what, what happens. I will. I will give you guys a you know hats off and a thank you as well because if, if we remember, I bought what my podcast mic over twelve months ago. Nothing's happened with it, but um, the setup that you guys have created is pretty pretty darn impressive. And I think you nearly burnt down the building in the process, didn't you? <laughs> no. For <laughs> <laughs> the fire alarm. Was. <laughs> I was thinking when you were discussing your um, electric drum kit before, you were like, "Oh yeah, I've been thinking about it for about a year." And I'm like, "Oh, John's like almost at the point where he'll actually buy it, and then it'll sit there for a year. Then in a year, he'll use it after." that well the problem is too is that now we're um, I, was, I was about to buy it then we started house renovation so now i've literally got zero space to do it now so that that's another excuse you should have made a drum studio mate <laughs> yeah <laughs>
Alrighty, so that's the end of Property Pod number one. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, guys. All the best. You have been listening to The Property Pod, produced and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Real Estate and McGregor First National Propriety Limited. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek and use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this 